Welcome to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. This week's message from Lead Pastor Neil Krause is from the series, Press On. For more information about Forward, giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Forward Church. It's good to have you here as we begin our third week of our study through the book of Philippians that we are entitled Press On, um, because we're studying about how Paul, although he could have been um, really depressed, he could have been really frustrated, he could have been really complaining about his circumstances in life, he instead pressed on because there were some truths that he understood about God. So we're studying those truths about how we can press on in life when life gets hard, because the reality is that sometimes life just hurts. Sometimes life hurts emotionally. Sometimes it's financially that life hurts. Physically, life can hurt when we are sick or have an illness. Spiritually, life can hurt when we feel like we're just continuing to get beat down no matter how hard we try. Often we can struggle to find meaning or even peace in times of suffering. I think all of us in this room have had times where we felt like we've been just hammered by life, where we felt like every turn we make, we get hit by a hammer, knocked down, get the the wind blown out of us because we're just getting hit by life. Now, I've asked a friend of mine to come up here and help me illustrate a point. So Tim, one of our elders, is going to come up on stage. Tim Neal, um, he's also our custodian. He, you see him around the church. He cleans up after all of us because we tend to leave cups in a mess in here sometimes. So Tim cleans up after us. He, he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades, handyman, helps out around the church. He painted the whole back of the church, the new expansion, by himself. So this guy is a handyman. I knew that he could handle a hammer as well. So Tim's going to um, kind of illustrate and show you a little bit of what I want to talk about to give us a visual and an audio um, of suffering. So Tim, you're, you ready for this? Yeah, yeah. All right, I think Tim's ready. Um, you know, often we feel like we're getting hit by a hammer and life's just beating us down. And maybe um, it could be a situation where you lost a parent at a young age and it just blew or knocked the life out of you. So <laughs> kind of like that, right? Ever felt like you've been hit like that in life? Maybe it was the refrigerator dies. Another hit, right? We take a lot of blows. Maybe you suffered something even more serious. It could be something like what my family has has struggled through is a miscarriage in life, and it can feel like a hit that we can't recover from. Oftentimes there's hit after hit after hit in life, and and, um, the car breaks down. The bills keep coming. You have three different medical bills from one trip to the hospital. Anybody ever felt that one? How about three hits for that one? You wonder where those keep coming from, right? Maybe you feel like every time you have a chance to get ahead, every time you have a chance to get ahead in life, a new expense comes up out of nowhere you didn't know was coming, and you take another hit. Some of you lost a job. Can't find a fulfilling job. Friend has betrayed you. Hit after hit after hit keeps coming. Anybody ever felt like that before? How many of us have been there in life? I think we kind of, I think that was good, Tim. Let's give Tim a hand. Thanks for coming up and showing us your hammering skills. Listen, I think many of us have, have felt like that. And that's, I mean, that's just a simple little visual. But often we feel like that in life where it's just hit after hit after hit that things just keep coming at us and we're, we're in this time of suffering and we feel like a nail that's just getting driven into a knotty piece of wood. And, you know, there was a time in my life when hits just kept coming. 
when I felt like every move that I made was met with a hammer blow. And I felt like one of those nails that's being driven into a knot in the wood, and I would kind of bend to the side. Ever, ever been there? How many of you, when you take a hit, you don't take it straight on, you're trying to bend to the side and avoid it and, and trying to get away from whatever that suffering is in your life, and, and we get all bent out of shape when suffering comes. And often that's the way we look. And, you know, it took some time for me, but I finally realized something that absolutely changed my life. And it's this, I don't have to get all bent out of shape when the hits of life come. I don't have to get all bent out of shape when suffering happens. You see, there's actually a purpose behind our suffering. And it's something that we're going to learn today from the Apostle Paul as we continue through our study of the book of Philippians. It's the biblical truth that we will all face suffering in this world. So the question is not, will we face suffering? The question is, how will we face suffering? You see, we're called to learn how to suffer well. And you can show your maturity in the faith by how you suffer. And your maturity in your faith can be determined by how you handle the suffering that comes your way. Do you bend and try to get out of that? Do you, do you bend against the strikes that are coming? Or do you allow them to drive you deeper? You see, our suffering is actually allowed for a purpose. Now, I want to be clear and upfront and forward. We do not believe that God causes all suffering. I don't believe that God causes every bit of suffering that you have, but I do believe that God allows that suffering into your life for a purpose. He allows suffering to happen in our life for a purpose. The reality is we live in a world that's broken by sinfulness, and sin causes suffering. So sometimes it's our suffering is a direct result of our own sin. We sin, that's outside of God's plan. It goes against His holiness, His plan for us. Therefore, there are consequences for our sin. So sometimes our suffering is brought on by ourselves because we chose the sin instead of choosing God. Other times, our suffering is a result of someone else's sin. We might be fully obedient to God and His plan for our life, but someone else's sin causes us to suffer. So suffering is a direct result of living in a broken world that is far from God. Therefore, we have to learn how to respond to that suffering because suffering will come. And when the hammer of life is swung and it knocks the air out of us, how are we then going to respond? When we look to Paul's words in the book of Philippians to the church in Philippi, we see the example that God has for us to follow. So we're going to continue reading today in chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. If you would stand with me, we're going to be in that main passage. That's on page 980 of that Bible that's under your chair. It's also going to be on the screens for you. Will we stand to read the main passage because God's word is holy. And we fully believe that here. We stand out of authority for his word, under to be under the authority of his word, and because we have respect for God's holy word. Here's what Paul says to the church in Philippi, starting in verse 12. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. You can be seated. 
As always, may the Lord add His blessing to the reading and hearing of His Word. Father, we pray this morning that as we study deep into Your Word, Lord, that we would learn, we would learn from Paul how to suffer well, that we would learn that there is a plan and a purpose for the suffering that we endure. May we learn how to endure that as Paul did and as Jesus did, as we learn about the theology of suffering from Your Holy Word. God, would You guide us? Would You speak to us through Your Word today? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, in verse 12, in verse 12, Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, so he's saying, brothers, this is to the church, to the believers, fellow believers, I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now, he doesn't elaborate on what has happened to him. His brothers in in Christ, his brothers and sisters in Christ would have known what had happened to him. He was not wallowing in self-pity. He didn't go into detail about all that had happened. He didn't complain about it. We know, though, that he has been beaten and he's been imprisoned for his faith. And like Blake mentioned last week, if I were in that position, I know that I would certainly be complaining some. I would be complaining because, hey, I've been falsely accused and I'm here in prison. You know, I've done nothing wrong. I don't deserve this treatment. The food is bad. It's uncomfortable here. Send somebody to plea on my behalf to get me out of here is what I would be calling for. I would be questioning God on why he would allow this. And I know that because I've been there. I've done that. I've been in that situation in life where I was mistreated. I was misrepresented. I believed that I had taken the high road. I'd been obedient to God. I was doing what God wanted me to do in my life. And still, I ended up suffering greatly. I ended up being falsely accused. And I can tell you that I spent a long time suffering and asking God why. God, why would you allow this? I've been obedient to you. God, why would you allow this? I believe I did the right thing in that situation. God, why would you allow this suffering in my life? Why am I still struggling? Because I believe that I'm following you. Why did this happen, Lord? I'm doing my best to follow you and obey you closely, and this is the treatment that I get. That's where I found myself, and maybe you found yourself there as well, questioning God, saying, why? Why would this happen to me? Well, God showed me through the life of Paul that my suffering is not about me. He showed me that it wasn't about me. And what I was doing as I was living this life of realizing that, you know, the mountaintop experiences, when things are going great, when life is awesome, to God be the glory. God, you are awesome. You are great. It's all about you. But when I was in the valley and suffering, what I found out was, why me? That's where I went to. Why me? Why would this happen to me? But, so when I'm on the mountaintop, the focus is God. That's easy. But when I'm in the valley, the focus will become myself and my suffering and my struggles. And God was saying, you got to have the same same perspective when you're on the mountaintop as you do when you're in the valley. When you're suffering, your focus still should be on God. You've got to stop asking why and ask who. Who's the focus here? Is it God or is it self? You see, Paul looked at his imprisonment. He looked at it as an opportunity. When we look into what he said there, he said, what has happened to me? So in other words, my imprisonment. So what has happened to me, my imprisonment, has served as an opportunity. So he says it has served. It, it's got an opportunity there to advance the gospel for a purpose. So say, my imprisonment is an opportunity with a purpose. He saw his suffering as having a purpose. In other words, we're gonna put this up on the screen. My suffering is an opportunity to live out my purpose. How many of us can proclaim that? We should, we should say that over our lives today. My suffering is an opportunity to live out my purpose. No matter what it is we're going through in life, we've got to get to the perspective of understanding that this is an opportunity to live out my purpose. So then we have to understand what our purpose is. And we have to understand there's a purpose ordained by God 
for the suffering that we experience in this world. But that's a tough one. That's a hard one to grasp. And you know, someone I think that can speak to this so well is a woman by the name of Johnny Erickson Tata. Many of you maybe have heard of her, but she was crippled as a teenager when she dove into a lake that was too shallow. She was 17 years old, having fun with her friends, dove into the lake without checking the depth of it. She felt something snap when her head hit the bottom, and she was paralyzed. She woke up in a hospital and found out she was going to be a quadriplegic in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. When she tells her story, she talks about how she was just devastated. She suffered with chronic pain ever since. She recently even suffered with cancer. So one thing after another throughout her life, she's been in a wheelchair. And here's what she said in an interview with Ligonier Ministries. She said, rather than try to frantically escape the pain, I relearned the timeless lesson of allowing my suffering to push me deeper into the arms of Jesus. I like to think of my pain as a sheepdog that keeps snapping at my heels to drive me down the road to Calvary where otherwise I would not be naturally inclined to go. You see, we're not naturally inclined to go deeper into the arms of Jesus. We're naturally inclined to think of self. We're naturally inclined to, as the hammer strikes us, we bend and we, we bend and we try to get away instead of being driven by suffering in life deeper into the arms of Jesus. So we have to ask ourselves, am I allowing the suffering that I face in life to push me closer to God, to drive me deeper into Him, or do I bend and when suffering comes, I push away from God, I, I get frustrated with God, I ask God why. See, according to worldly wisdom, Johnny has every right to complain and be mad at God. But according to biblical wisdom, she recognized early on that her suffering was taking her to a depth with God that she would never have gone on her own. And her suffering, just like Paul's suffering, has served to advance the gospel. If you want to think about her story, in 1979, it was about 12 years after her accident, she started a ministry to reach the disabled community, and it has grown worldwide. They share the hope of the gospel to those who are impacted by disabilities, and thousands and thousands and thousands of people with disabilities have heard the gospel because of Johnny Erickson Tata and her life of suffering. The ministry is pretty cool to hear that they've distributed more than 100,000 wheelchairs to give to people with disabilities around the world. And they have a goal that by 2020, they'll distribute another 100,000 wheelchairs. So Johnny can certainly proclaim, just like Paul, what has happened to me really has happened to serve and advance the gospel. In her testimony, she says she learned this, God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. I think that's awesome. You need to know God hates your suffering. He doesn't want us to suffer. He loves us, but he permits it because he wants to accomplish what he loves. You know what he loves? He loves for you to draw near to him. He loves for you to go where you wouldn't normally go on your own, deeper into his arms and to embrace the purpose for your life of advancing his gospel. Just like Paul proclaimed here. What Paul is telling us is that there is a way to suffer as a Christian that, so that our suffering is purposeful and not purposeless. So you will suffer. Will you suffer well? Paul explains in verse 13 that his suffering has a purpose. That purpose is the last three words of that verse. Verse 13 says, So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. This suffering is for Christ. So don't waste your suffering. 
Paul understood that. He knew that he should not waste his suffering. Your tears should never be in vain. Your struggles should never be in vain. Your hardships should never be in vain. That, that diagnosis from the doctor should not be in vain. It should not be wasted. It should not be neglected. Your suffering has a purpose. And it is for Christ that you suffer. So ask yourself, how can my suffering give me an opportunity to share the gospel with others? How can I point others to Jesus and his grace for me through this tragic time in my life? How is this op an opportunity instead of a roadblock? You see, we often look at suffering and we think this is a roadblock. This is going to stop what I was planning on doing. This is changing my life forever. This is not going where I thought that I was going to be. So we feel like it's a roadblock in place when Paul is saying, no, it's an opportunity. You see, Paul very well could have seen his imprisonment as the enemy's way of shutting him up and ending his ministry. He could have just felt like, well, now I'm done. I had this ministry. It was going awesome. We were starting churches. We were sharing the gospel. I was going to all corners of the world to share the gospel of Jesus with people. Now I'm sitting here you know, in a prison cell with just another guard with me. But instead, he saw it as an opportunity, and he started sharing the gospel with the guards who guarded him. So what he started to do is he made sure every imperial guard that came to to, to watch him, everyone who was, he was in contact with, he began to make sure that they knew about Jesus. And I read this week that the custom of that time was for a new guard to take the post every four hours. So you think about it, every four hours, Paul is seeing an opportunity come into him and he's sharing the gospel with them. Every four hours, a new Roman guard is hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. He didn't see himself as a captive. He saw those guards as a captive audience to hear the gospel of Jesus. He saw suffering as an opportunity. Those guards couldn't go anywhere. So they began to hear the gospel of Jesus as they visited with Paul. You see, I would be willing to guess that many of you, you feel trapped. Many of you feel like you're in a place where you're stuck. You feel like you, you can't advance the gospel where you are. Maybe you feel trapped in a job. Maybe you've had some kind of diagnosis that you feel like limits you. God is saying, look at where I've placed you and start to view it as an opportunity. And I'm going to bring people to you, into your life, so that you can have a purpose to your suffering. That's what Paul did. So you have to ask yourself, do the people that work with you every single day, do they know that you're a Christian? Do they hear about your faith and your faith in God? Or do they hear you complain? Do they hear you get frustrated with your situation? You see, Paul, the people that came into contact with him, they heard about the love of Jesus. They heard about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Do the nurses and doctors who give you treatment experience the love of Jesus? Do they, do they feel and know that you're a Christian? Do they get inspired to learn more about Jesus when they're around you? Or do they, do, do they see your faith as what's getting you through the situation you're in? Or does fear and frustration make it seem that you have no hope? You see, our suffering is to have a purpose. And I don't want to dismiss the amount of suffering that you're under because suffering is hard. But when we begin to shift our mindset from why to who, who is this about, what is this for, and then we begin to understand that this can, there can be a purpose behind this, a greater purpose than, than, than us. It can be the purpose of sharing the gospel with those I come into contact with and a result of this purpose through our suffering is that the people around us will then grow in boldness and faith as well. 
You look at what Paul says in verse 14. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. You see, a direct result of Paul boldly living out his purpose through the suffering that he was under in prison was that his brothers in Christ then, they were emboldened and they went out sharing and advancing the gospel too because they saw what he was doing, how he was experiencing it, and how he responded to that suffering. You see, when we have others in our life that are living through times of suffering with a gospel purpose, we get motivated and inspired to do the same. I can tell you throughout my life that I've watched many people suffer well. And every person that I've ever witnessed suffering well has motivated me to say, I want to go through hard times like that person just did. I saw that person exhibit peace and, and the grace of Christ through that suffering so that it motivates me to do the same thing. You see, when I see people suffer well, I'm inspired to do the same. And you need to know that when you suffer well, there are people watching. There are always people watching, whether you know it or not. And people are noticing if you suffer well or if you don't suffer well. Now, reality in life is this, that while we strive to share the gospel out of a pure heart and pure motives, and we should use our suffering for the purpose of advancing the gospel, there will always be some who are going to preach the gospel with wrong motives. And Paul spends just a couple of verses diving into that, that some will preach for personal gain, others will preach out of goodwill, and he reminds us in verses 15 through 17 to remember that our purpose is to advance the gospel, not to judge the motives of others. In verse 18, Paul says, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Now, sometimes it's natural in our flesh to be frustrated with other ministries or other churches or other individuals that we see preaching the gospel, but for personal gain. It can be so frustrating to hear other people and we hear them saying what is true, but we know that behind the scenes they don't really believe what is true. They're preaching truth, but they're not living truth. And, and this is something that I've struggled with over the years because I cherish the gospel of Jesus. And I believe that if we're preaching the gospel of Jesus, we need to be living the gospel of Jesus. And I, I believe that wholeheartedly. And I have no tolerance for preachers or Christians who don't do their best to live according to the gospel that they proclaim. That is very frustrating for me. Not that I expect Christians to be perfect, because we certainly are not, but I expect to see a new life. I expect to see fruit in someone's life that proclaims to be a Christ follower. I expect to see a transformed life, that your life looks different now than it did before you were a Christian. And I've learned here from Paul in this passage that as long as Christ is being preached, regardless of the motive of the person delivering that truth, I should rejoice because the truth of God's word always prevails. You see, the power is in the gospel words, the gospel message. So, that's the prevailing message of this passage, that your suffering has a purpose. That purpose is to advance the gospel of Jesus. So how does that purpose get fulfilled? It's when you allow the suffering to push you deeper into Jesus, deeper into his arms, and not to push you away. You see, the only way you can rejoice in times of suffering is when you allow that suffering to drive you deeper into your relationship with your creator. And I believe that the terms joy and suffering are spoken of together in the New Testament about 18 times for a reason. Because we tend to think of joy and suffering as being separate, right? When I'm done suffering, then I'll find joy. When I get through this season, then I'll be able to live joyfully. When I get through this time that, that is so hard and so oppressive, then I'll be able to do God's plan for my life. And God is saying, no, 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 no. 
I have a plan for you in this suffering. I have a plan to help you through this suffering. And that plan is for you to dive deeper into my arms, experience my grace, and let me, through you, show the gospel to those around you that are witnessing you go through this suffering. See, the Bible tells us when we learn to suffer well, then we find true joy. And Isaiah 53, 4 says this about Jesus. He was a despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. The Bible describes Jesus as a man of sorrows. He went through a lot of suffering. He was despised by men, yet he was also a man of great joy. In John 15, 11, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. You see, Jesus, the Son of God, left the glory of heaven, and he came down to this world to suffer in this world. That's how good he is. He came here to suffer on your behalf, on my behalf. He chose a life that you and I, if we were to get to have a choice, we would not choose. We wouldn't choose the path of suffering. But Jesus chose a life of suffering, and he suffered. He suffered financially. He suffered physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. In every way, Jesus suffered, and to a greater depth than even Paul's ever suffered, or you and I will ever taste. Yet Jesus knew his suffering had a purpose. It was not purposeless. The suffering of Jesus was for our salvation. And by suffering for us, he was he, he who was without sin went to the cross, substituted himself in our place, and suffered and died in my place for my sins. You see, the suffering of Jesus, it definitely has a purpose. Therefore, his suffering is also an example for us so that when we suffer, we understand there's a purpose behind this. And we look to Jesus and we say, how did he suffer? How can we look like Jesus when we suffer? And we also must recognize that Jesus continues to suffer with Christians who suffer. And I think we forget about that sometimes. Jesus continues to suffer with Christians who suffer. It's so important to know that you're not alone. When you're suffering, when you're hurting, you're not alone because Jesus goes through that suffering with you. He, he suffered with Paul whenever Paul was suffering. He suffers with us when we suffer. If we look at Paul's conversion story in the Bible, he was a man who was persecuting and murdering Christians. Paul was just a ruthless guy when he was Saul, okay? He was Saul before he became Paul. And when he was Saul, he was attacking Christians and killing Christians and, and trying to just take down Christianity. And in Acts chapter 9, it opens up with Paul on his way to Damascus. And verse 1 says this about him. It says, but Saul, again, that's Paul before his conversion. God later changes his name when he becomes a new creation. Therefore, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. Now, he went to the high priest because he wanted to get approval to arrest and take into to custody, to bound any Christians he came across as he was on his way to Damascus. So he was getting paperwork to be able to do that. So on his way to get those papers and the permission, on his way to Damascus, Jesus shows up in a blinding light from heaven and says this in Acts chapter 9, verses 4 through 5, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Notice he didn't say, why are you persecuting these Christians? Why are you persecuting those people who haven't done anything to you? He says, why are you persecuting me? And he, being Saul, said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. 
You know, you might read that and you might say, well, Jesus wasn't being persecuted. Jesus was in heaven with God at that time. How could he be persecuted? But Jesus so closely identifies with us, with his people, because we are called the body of Christ. And when we become a Christian, his Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Therefore, he says, I am with you. And when you are persecuted, when you suffer, I suffer too. See, it's a metaphor that speaks of his intimate connection with us. So when we suffer, Jesus suffers. When you hurt, Jesus hurts. When you weep, Jesus weeps. So you must know you've not been forsaken. You've not been abandoned. You've not been betrayed. But so often, isn't that where we go? The hammer of life strikes us and we just think, I'm all alone. I'm suffering. God, why have you left me? Why have you forsaken me? Why aren't you here for me? And he's saying, I am. And I'm hurting right along with you. When Jesus said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, and surely I'll be with you to the very end of the age, it's true. All those things are true. Jesus speaks truth only, and he is with you. And when Paul was suffering in prison alone, he understood he was not alone, that Jesus was there with him. And what you need to understand, no matter the amount of suffering that you're going through, is that Jesus is with you and he suffers with you. This is the perfect time for you to know that if you've not placed your faith in Jesus, you're still not alone. He's still there. He's just waiting for you to turn to him. He's waiting for you to turn to him and he will wrap his arms around you and he will be there with you through that time of, tr of trouble, that time of suffering. If you turn to Jesus and give him your sin, you repent of your sin, you become a Christian, your suffering becomes purposeful. You see, in this world you will suffer. Will it have a purpose or will it be purposeless? You have to determine if you'll allow that suffering to drive you deeper into Jesus' arms for a purpose or away from him without purpose. See, we're called to suffer for Jesus, suffer like Jesus, and suffer with Jesus. Let Jesus use the suffering to do something good in you. Let Jesus use the suffering to do something good through you. That's his desire. So we're called to not waste any suffering. All suffering has a purpose, and that's to drive you deeper into the arms of Jesus. He was in his book titled, Who Is This Man? Pastor John Ortberg, great writer. If you haven't ever read it, read any of his books. He's a fantastic writer and a pastor. But he quotes a Romanian pastor who had suffered greatly under communist rule. He'd been persecuted. He'd been attacked for his faith. He had really suffered more than any of us could probably ever know. And this man who had been hammered over and over again by cruel oppressors, he said this about Christianity. He said, Christianity is like a nail. The harder you strike it, the deeper it goes. Friends, when you get struck in this world, is it driving you deeper into your relationship with Christ? Or are you bending against it and, and, and fighting it? Are you allowing the blows of life to take you deeper into relationship with Jesus, to drive you deeper into reliance upon Him, to drive you deeper into acceptance of His grace, to drive you deeper into your relationship with the Creator of the universe, to drive you deeper into your knowledge of God and who He is. You see, we have to stop asking why, and we have to start asking who. God is saying, I've allowed this suffering in your life so that you will find out more about Him and His love for you. It's that we would receive suffering like a good, firm, straight nail. And when life hits you, you'll be able to rejoice, not in the pain of the strike, but in the depth of its effect. See, I can tell you that the suffering I've gone through in life, 
while I wouldn't want to have that kind of pain, looking back on it, I wouldn't change it. Because what it's done is it has deepened me in my faith. It has driven me deeper into the arms of my Savior. It has caused me to mature as a Christian. You see, Johnny Erickson Tata also said this. She said, God wrote the book on suffering and he called it Jesus. This means God understands. He knows. He's with me. I hope you understand that truth today. Because when you do, you will go deeper in Christ because of your suffering. And you don't rejoice because of the suffering, but you rejoice because of the goodness of God to drive you deeper into a relationship with His Son who rescues you for eternity. So listen, we're going to do things a little differently today at, at the altar. As we finish out today, we, across the front of the stage, there's a bunch of boards with a whole bunch of nails in them. And there's hammers laying up here. And I'm going to ask you, as, um, as we pray and then as the worship team begins, that you would come forward and come up and just grab a hammer. The nails are already started, so be careful with your fingers, all right? And I want you to just drive one of those nails into the board. And that's symbolizing the suffering that you're going through or the suffering that you have gone through or suffering that possibly is even coming your way that you don't even know about yet. It's symbolizing that when you face suffering, you're going to allow it to drive you deeper into Jesus. You see, your suffering, it may be due to your own sin. If so, I would ask that as you come forward, you would just pray. And you would say, God, this nail represents the sin in my life. I'm repenting of that sin. I'm turning from that sin. I'm receiving Christ and your forgiveness for that sin. And I'm going to drive this nail in symbolic that I am diving deep into the arms of Jesus today. Others of you, maybe you're suffering from someone else's sin. And you have to come up here and you have to say, God, I don't understand why this happened in my life and it hurts, but I'm going to drive this nail deep into this wood, recognizing that this is symbolic, that I'm diving deep into the arms of Jesus through this suffering. I'm not going to allow it to bend me away from you, God. Proclaim today that your hurts and your frustrations and your anxieties and your fears and your pain has a purpose. And that purpose is to drive you deeper into the arms of Jesus. Proclaim that when you get hit in this life, you'll no longer resent that suffering, but you'll rejoice in it because it is serving to draw you nearer to your Savior who wants so badly for you to just dive deep into His arms. And driving that nail in will serve, serve to show that you're going to walk out of here today saying that my suffering and my pain, it has a purpose and I'm going to allow that purpose to draw me nearer to you, God. And then I'm going to allow that purpose to show others how good you are. You know, you may also need prayer. Maybe after you drive that nail, you just need somebody to pray with. Some of our elders, our, um, our starting point guides, and if any of our staff are in here too, they're going to hang out on just kind of the wings of the stage, on the edge of the stage up here. If you need somebody to pray with, I'll be there too. Drive that nail and then just come over and we'll be glad to pray with you. Understanding that when you suffer... God has a purpose for it. Let's pray. God, we just bow before you this morning. And Lord, this is a tough topic because so many of us in this room, we have not suffered well. We tend to be like that stubborn nail that bends and, and, and fights it and pushes away. And we've allowed suffering in our life to, to push us away from you, God, instead of closer and deeper into you. But God, this morning, as we study through Philippians, we learn that Paul knew that his suffering had a purpose.
That purpose was to draw nearer to you and that purpose was to share your gospel with others. So God, as we come forward this morning and we drive these nails in, we recognize that the suffering that we're going through has a purpose and a plan. We're going to declare today that when we suffer, we will suffer well because we're going to be like a straight nail and allow it to drive us straight into your arms that we may go deeper into our relationship with you. So Father, we give you this time, we give you our hearts, and we thank you for your grace. We thank you that over, although we haven't suffered well in the past, that we've allowed it to push us away from you, that today's a new day. Your grace is sufficient for us. And that we're never alone. You're always there waiting for us to turn and dive deep into your arms. So God, we do that this morning as we recognize that Jesus was a man of sorrows, that he suffered greatly, but his purpose for suffering was that we could be with you. We celebrate that this morning as we come before you now. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue the series, Press On. For more information about forward, giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com.